Welcome to devmode.fm, a podcast dedicated to the tools, techniques, and technologies used in modern web development. I'm Andrew Welch from NY Studio 107. I'm Marion Nullivant, making trouble here in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> and today we have on Chris Party Corgi Biscardi, a <laughs> consultant from San Francisco, right, Chris? Yes. Welcome aboard. And you did some of the, the theming work with, uh, with Gatsby. I did, yes. And you are, my understanding is, as a consultant, you are an organic, free-range party corgi, correct? <laughs> I am an organic, free-range party corgi. <laughs> <laughs> and we also have on Jason Langstorff from Gatsby. How did I do on the last name, Jason? Nailed it. Oh, thank God. We've had you on before to talk about Gatsby, but you knew that we were scheduling this podcast, and so you waited just before this podcast to announce some really big things that we want to talk about with Gatsby. So what we want to... Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) I know it was all revolving around us, so that's awesome. So we want to talk about the decline of the American dream in the 1920s. Uh, It says on the surface... Oh, (laughs) wait a minute. (laughs) Wait a minute. It's Okay, this is not about the era of decaying social and moral values, right? Okay, I'm sorry. We're talking about the other Gatsby. Love between a man and a woman? (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so let's um, let's talk about what is actually going on with Gatsby J- JS because you got some pretty cool stuff that's going on. So, Jason, um, if you are out doing your land yachting out in the Breen Sands and you're flying along doing your in your land yacht, and someone comes up next to you and says, "Hey, you know, Jason, what is up with this whole Gatsby themes? Like, what what are they? What would you tell them?" I, I think I would say, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll tell you what themes are if you tell me what a land yacht is. <laughs> land yacht? Okay, so this is a thing. This is actually a real thing that people go out and do. And it looks kind of like a boat, but it's got wheels on it. And then it's got a sail. And they go to really flat places and they fly around using wind power. Okay, this sounds way more interesting than Gatsby <laughs> themes. Can we do the rest of the episode on that? Sure. <laughs> and, and this all ties back into the decline of morals in the 1920s and stuff. You know, I don't, I don't Okay. Uh, so if, if I was in my land yacht and yeah. somebody asked about Gatsby themes, yes. um, I would probably turn to my co-pilot, Chris Biscardi and say, Chris, why don't you answer this one? Ooh, nicely done. Mm. Nicely done. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that themes are basically, uh, composable, publishable, updatable sections of Gatsby site. So anything that you can do in a Gatsby site, you can wrap up into a theme, ship to NPM, anybody else can install it and you get the really nice, like, create react app update methodology for anything that you want basically now i gotta admit like i have ptsd whenever i hear themes right because i (laughs) i instantly think of like wordpress theme forest envato you know all that kind of stuff but this is this is a different thing entirely not entirely different all right um there are aspects of it that are very much parallel if you install a wordpress theme that is a blog for example you can install a gatsby theme that is a blog and you can get the same sorts of things out of both of them the gatsby concept of theming is much more powerful because not only can you install the blog theme but then you can decide that suddenly you want to also add an e-commerce theme because you want to sell some things 
Hmm. And then you have two themes installed on your site. You didn't need to write any code. And now you have everything that you need. So themes in Gatsby are, as we say, horizontally and vertically composable. So you get that parent-child thing, but you also get to install them side by side. That's really cool. And you took away like the one trying to sound semi-smart thing that I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say, oh, so the themes are composable. That's pretty cool. I'll do that for you next time. <laughs> That's all right. It's all right. And to, to add on that just yeah. a little bit, what I think is is particularly exciting about this is that the work that um, Chris has done along with with John Otender and Brent Jackson is in these themes, it's not just like, here's some functionality and then you have to plop that in. And if it doesn't work, you have to code around it. It's actually done in such a way that you can progressively peel back layers of of abstractions until you end up getting to just the pieces that you need. So Hmm. if you install a theme, and you want to change the colors, we've got something called theme UI that puts all of the, the design tokens, like your colors, your font sizes, etc., into context. And any theme that's using theme UI will pick up the, the last context or the last theme UI config that was set. So if you install a blog theme and the e-commerce theme, and then your site has its theme UI configuration set up with the design tokens, both of those themes are going to inherit your fonts, your colors, your spacing, all the things that you would want to show up on the theme. So they're going to, they're going to kind of be smart enough to pick up those details and look like they're part of your site without you having to step in and and do all of that work. Hmm. And, you know, beyond that, we have component shadowing. So if you want to change the header, you can pull the header out of one theme and drop it into the other theme so that you've got a consistent header across. And just lots of really nice developer experience touches like that, where you're not fighting against the themes, you're just working within the the um, the API that was designed to make just the number of modifications that are required. Are you in trouble, Jason? I think I think oh, that's, that's Chris, me, actually. Oh, Chris, all right, well, I, let, let us know if you need bail. <laughs> <laughs> I don't anticipate it, but, you know, I'll let you know. We'll head down there and help you out in case you need bail. So, yeah, we... You made we, these themes too good, man. It's illegal. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good it's illegal <laughs> I'm not leaving my mic in between laughing <laughs> there you go you got your marketing tagline now he is in California yeah yeah true so yeah we had Dominic Wilkowski from ThinkMill on talking about design systems tooling and tokens and that kind of stuff and we had a couple of chats about design systems but help me unpack this because I'm honestly first of all number one I don't know anything about theming in Gatsby like <laughs> Because I knew we were going to talk to you and you said there was new stuff and then all these announcements came out and I'm like, oh my God, this is so much stuff. Like, how am I going to read all this? So I am Jason and Chris, I am an empty vessel. Fill me with knowledge, right? But also I want to know like where these things interact, right? So we've got this styled system and and this Mm -hmm. is actually like styled-system.com and then we've got system UI and then we've got theme UI. Like how do these things fit together and what does what? Yeah. So um, let's start with Gatsby themes itself. Gatsby themes at their core include two main APIs. One of them is what we call composition and the other one is what we call shadowing. Mm -hmm. Um, Composition is basically your Gatsby config is the way that you define your site. It's the way that you set up all your pages. It's the way that those pages then use components. It's the way that you add all of your plugins, et cetera. And then shadowing is such that when you take a theme and you publish it to NPM and then somebody uses it and they want to change the header or the way links render or the, the uh, like design system tokens or whatever, shadowing is how you get that done, right? So these Gatsby configs composed together. It's basically the last one in the array wins. 
So if you have, like Jason said, a tokens.json file in your theme or in your site, it will override and use it for all of the other themes as well. So it's not an inheritance, it's an overriding? Yes. So for shadowing, it's basically the way composition works is you can imagine if you have five themes installed, Mm -hmm. they are like theme one, theme two, theme three, et cetera, right? So if all of them have the same file in them at specific locations, simplifying a little bit, but if all of them have this conceptually the same file in them, the last one will take precedence and that's the one that will be used to build your application. Okay. So if you want to change all of the colors, all you need to do is modify one file and you've changed the colors for all of your themes. On top of that, as we built out Gatsby themes and started building actually like the official themes and like this whole ecosystem and experimenting, we found a bunch of sort of best practices and patterns that were really good to use. And that is what theme UI is. Theme UI is basically, if you're not familiar with anything, the short version is it's a component library and a styling solution such that you can create a theme or use a theme. And it sort of has all the best practices built into it. It happens to be built on top of styled system and emotion uh, and things like that. But yeah, so does that fill the void, I guess? Well, I mean, my my, <laughs> my void is very large, so it doesn't fill it, but it, it helps It helps a little bit. So, and Theme UI is something that is React-based. Is that correct? If it's using Emotion? The, yeah, well, Theme UI is, um, is built on top of Emotion, mm-hmm. but it what it really is is an implementation of like a spec. Okay. So we, we have, what is it? What is it called? Is it the system UI spec? Yeah. That's the system Um, UI part, right? And so what that is, is it's, it's honestly, it's an, it's like an object. Hmm. So you have colors and then you have fonts, font sizes, spacing, various things that are going to be used in, in virtually every site. And knowing what those tokens are, it allows for the composability because then we all know that the, that the styled system is going to have a colors object and that colors object is going to have a text color. Okay. And by knowing that, I don't need to like dig into the source code. I can just override. I can say, yeah, I want my text to be like this particular shade of gray. And I set that and I just know that it's going to work. So it's a, it's a way to kind of improve interoperability. Hmm. And the hope is that this is not just a Gatsby thing. This is something that we'd love to see expand out and to see other systems use, which is why this isn't just like Gatsby themes is a big ball of code. It's why it's styled system and then theme UI and then Gatsby themes, because that allows it to be used in different places without tying it specifically to React or Gatsby. Yeah. So, one of the things that we're actually really excited about is potentially design tools exporting these token objects, and then you just get to use them in your project. So they like setting a new standard so that people will use text color and not color of text. Right. So that's, that's why it's a specification. Right. Got it. So if we were to lick all the way to the center of this Tootsie Roll pop, that is Gatsby themes. It sounds like system UI is kind of the underlying thing because that's the spec that well, theme UI is built on or no? It's the spec for design tokens. Okay. So if, and this is where Gatsby themes gets a little, um, like it's an onion there. You can keep going deeper because at the top level, we've got design tokens and the components in a theme, the site itself will be able to use those design tokens to 
allow people to configure what their site looks like without having to actually touch code. They just Mm -hmm. update color values in an object. Right. And what is really exciting and powerful about that is that theoretically means that, you know, like Chris said, something like Sketch or Figma could export these objects. Or even just if you built like a UI, you could just fill in forms and export a a theme UI or a, a system UI styled system compatible object. Right. And then drop it into whatever tool that was compatible and and it would just work. When you go a layer down from that, Gatsby themes are also a way to provide a component library. So you could use, for example, whatever bare components without worrying about styling at all and just ship functionality. So atomic units Mm. of functionality, your click handlers, your, um, you know, your submit handlers, those, the accessibility, the things that need to be baked into components that have to happen on virtually every website. The only real difference is the, the style. So that's another thing that can be shipped in, in Gatsby themes is just like bare developer components. If you go another layer down from that, you can start getting into the actual pages that are built. So if you ship a blog theme, that blog theme is going to build a like a page with previews, paginated previews of the blog posts, and it's going to build the individual blog posts themselves. So that functionality can be packaged up into a theme and configurable. So maybe by default, it ships it at, at root. So if you just go to, you know, site.com, you're going to see the blog previews. But if I want to configure that, I can change it to slash blog so that I have a home page and then I click blog and, and go to, you know, slash blog and see the previews. And then you can even go a layer down from that and you can start messing with the the data schema. You can start messing with the, the actual like API in Gatsby and package up that functionality as well. So there's any layer in the the Gatsby stack that you want to touch, you have access to it through themes. And what makes this so powerful is that once you've solved it once, if you're able to make that abstract and configurable, you don't have to build it again. It's now a portable piece of, of code shipped as an NPM package that you can import into any site and then just configure through a few options or not configure at all and just let it ride. Like our, our Gatsby theme blog is kind of designed for somebody who just wants to get up and running. It looks like Dan Abramov's overreacted.io theme. It's got a light and dark mode installed and you just have a folder full of MDX and that's that's it. You don't have to do anything else. You can just start blogging. So, you know, we, we wanted to get it to the point where there was no code required to use themes and then only little bits of code as needed to go deeper and deeper until you get to the level of, of uh, customization that you want. All right. So, Jason, when are you shipping your retirement plan, which is Gatsby Forest, where you're going <laughs> to where you're going to churn out a whole bunch of Gatsby themes and start selling them? Um, we probably at some point will have a, a Gatsby marketplace of some sort. Right. It's it's something that we've talked about. It's something that we're really excited about because we've seen how good that is for for ecosystems like WordPress. But we, you know, it's we're still working the bugs out of kind of everything. We we just got themes out into public. So we want to see where people have questions, what people struggle with, and kind of resolve those initial questions and fill any gaps before we start looking at like next major steps. Right. Yeah. Because if you are in open source, I mean, the the primary ways to make money are one is support in terms of people buying, you know, service plans or support plans or, or whatever. Another one is making training materials, right? Mm -hmm. And selling those in courses. And then then another one is a a marketplace where you can then provide a central hub for people that are around and in your little ecosystem to be able to buy stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it makes sense that you guys would be considering doing something like that. That's really awesome. So, I want to make sure that I'm, uh, and I I apologize, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I am I'm not the smartest guy in the world. Okay. It, would it be correct to say that 
theme UI inherits from inherits the design tokens from the system UI spec, and that Gatsby themes then inherits the components from theme UI, or is that not a direct kind of inheritance chain like that? Yeah, the um, the place where I would like put a put a barrier between them is mm-hmm. like theme UI is not tied to Gatsby themes in any real way. Right. Uh, you don't have to use it with Gatsby themes. You can use it on like any Create React app or any other like framework, like as a component library, as a styling solution, etc. So I could have a so, Gatsby theme that didn't use Theme UI at all. Yes, one hundred percent. It's a totally opt-in thing. Got like it. Theme UI is a plugin. You you install Gatsby plugin Theme UI mm-hmm. um, if you want to implement that. We're encouraging that as a best practice yeah. because it it promotes interoperability. But it's one hundred percent optional. I was going to say it sounds like a really good idea. <laughs> You know, it sounds like someone has spent has spent way more time thinking about how to do theming well than I ever would. And that's one of the major drivers for us in um, in recruiting people like like John Otander and and Brent Jackson is that even before Gatsby, they have been thinking really deeply about design systems and how to make things shareable and scalable Mm -hmm. in a in ways that I've never considered or even really approached. Right. So as we had, you know, Chris going just so deep into messing with the way that Webpack works, you know, doing this really complicated algorithm for component shadowing and all these things that, uh, you know, I'm sure Chris remembers as I was trying to learn this, I would go in and try to fix something. And I would just, I would send him a a message and be like, Hey, I'm not smart enough to solve this. So here's my (laughs) giant pile of garbage code. Please save me. (laughs) And so while, while Chris was solving those problems, we had John and John and Jackson just thinking really hard about like, how do we make, how do we make this a socially shareable, open source friendly thing? Mm -hmm. And so it's been, it's been so exciting to see what, what these three have come up with. Yeah. I mean, that's really cool. So are there parts of this, let, let's say that I there's something wrong with me and I don't I'm not interested in Gatsby. I don't use it at all. Are there pieces of this that I might, you know, take and use for something else? Yeah, I mean, you can oh. use theme UI on any project that you want to. Like it doesn't have to be Gatsby. It doesn't right. have to be anything in particular. Right. It probably does have to be React because the library sure. is sort of built around that. But sure. Yeah. And then like the core Gatsby theme, like composition and shadowing. Yeah. You know, those are those are Gatsby specific. You okay. sort of have to use a Gatsby application. For but that. it's but it sounds like and, and, and trust me, I'm not trying to steer people away. I'm just trying to think about this in, <laughs> in an abstract way. But it sounds like some of the concepts that you have come up with in in implementing the themes in Gatsby, like a lot of thought has gone into it that if I was doing something else, like I would look at what you did, you know, and be like, I think these guys figured it out pretty well, right? I hope so. <laughs> yeah, that's that's always the, yeah. the intention is that when you work on something, because themes have been in, in production for a, a year now, right? At least a year. Right. Yeah. Um, and so to to work on something for as long and, and with as much intention as as the themes team has, has been, you know, it's it's very cool to get that validation from the community when they're seeing this and not going, well, what is this? I don't get the point. You know, people tend to be the, the feedback we've gotten has all been very positive, like, holy cow, this is going to be such a big deal. It's going to make it so much easier to share. Right. Config and and that those sorts of things. So well, yeah, it, it's, it is. A, uh, it's, it's a diffi- exciting. It's a difficult problem, and it's something that everyone runs into. Is that it is it is actually pretty hard to ship themes right in in a way that mm-hmm. they're really usable because you were mentioning earlier that you know you can override just this bit or you can compose them and take this bit from here and that bit from there. Historically, that's not how most theming systems that I've used work. They're like, here's the theme, you know, <laughs> and if you don't like it, 
you know, you can spend a lot of time writing, you know, additional CSS or JavaScript to override it, but you don't get that kind of granular ability to replace this piece with that piece, you know? Well, yeah. And you, and you lose upstream updates too, which is a big one. Oh, um, huge. You know, yeah. we see, we see a huge amount of opportunity just in the fact that when you install a Gatsby theme, you can still update things in the background without losing your modifications, without having to manually port things over. That's been a big challenge with our starters historically is you would say, you know, I want a Gatsby site. So I type Gatsby new, you know, Gatsby hello world. And whatever I get installed, it's a snapshot of that moment in time. Anything we ship in the future, you would have to manually port into your Gatsby site. Right. So with the advent of themes, a huge amount of the boilerplate that's just going to be true for everyone. You now get upstream updates for free. If we improve the pagination algorithm, if we add support for categories and tags, like that's just going to show up in your blog without you having to write that manually or, or having to, you know, blow away your customizations. In most cases, there are ways that it would conflict, but in general, you'll get that stuff for free. Well, and that's a problem that is not specific to themes. It's it's a very common problem in doing a number of things in terms mm-hmm. of development is, you know, this idea of, okay, I want to take this thing to start with, but how do I get improvements or updates without breaking stuff? And it's actually pretty difficult mm-hmm. to come up with a system that works well for that. So, I mean, this seems like, I got to tell you guys, it seems like an awful lot of work just to make a dark mode though. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's a good thing that it's not just a dark mode. <laughs> it does more than just a dark mode? All right. Fill this. Fill the <laughs> vessel. I clearly don't know what I'm talking about. I, I thought the okay. whole point of Gatsby themes was so you could have light and dark themes. That's not correct? <laughs> <laughs> so, Gatsby themes, in total, if you use everything and you're aware of everything, and etc., allow you to build entire sections of your site using an NPM module, right? Mm. So we use NPM modules for everything when we're building front-end stuff at this point. Right? You pull in anything as like small as Lodash individual functions to as big as like an entire date picker. And with themes, that allows you to go at an even higher level of abstraction, say, we're going to get the data from here, whether here is uh, Contentful or Shopify or even WordPress as a headless CMS. Mm-hmm. You can take that data, transform it into the blog post format such that you're even fetching from multiple data sources into a blog post format. You can encode the way that those pages are rendered. You can ship your design system that renders those pages. And when somebody else needs to change something, they can because we have shadowing, right? So you've built out the entire site. You've built the data layer. You've built the uh, page structure. You've built the components out. And you've built your design system in and use it. And then somebody says, oh, but I want the header to do this. And they can because it's just enabled by default. Hmm. So you get your blog, you get your e-commerce, you get your marketing site. Everything can be a single theme that you just install into a project that needs it. Well, how do I then map the content to the containers that kind of are the theme? You know what I mean? Like, how, how does that look? So I'll, I'll use a specific theme as an example. If you look at the blog theme, the way that it's configured by default is that it has MDX as the driving force behind it. So it's going to look for a content folder and a posts folder as a, a default setting. You can override that in configuration. Mm-hmm. And when you install the theme, it's going to look in the site directory for that content slash posts, and it will um, ensure that it doesn't hit any errors if that's empty or, or all that good stuff. But ultimately, 
it's looking to say, do you have MDX in a post folder? And if so, it will read those and turn those into your blog posts. So what we're shooting for is the idea that when you install a theme, all you have to do is provide content. And, you know, that's that kind of creates this this step one where for someone who isn't interested in coding, they are able to say, I want to get all the benefits of Gatsby, this ultra fast loading and the performance and this community and, and all of these, these cool plugins. I want to be able to use that, but I don't want to have to write code. So they can go to a web UI and they can install a theme and click a couple buttons in the in the web UI and it'll deploy a site for them. So they all they have to do is like edit these MDX files. If you take that a step further, you can have the configuration for, let's say, choosing your, your CMS. So you could say, well, by default, it'll be MDX, but if I provide a WordPress configuration nope, object, nope. it will... No, no, no. Craft CMS. No. Craft C- oh, yeah. Craft we do, CMS we don't configuration use the, We object. don't use the WP word here. <laughs> <laughs> um... But so you can, you know, you, you could basically say like, all right, in the configuration, I'm going to provide a craft CMS uh, access token or, or, you know, whatever you needed to API key to pull down craft CMS data. And there would be a data adapter that takes that craft CMS post mm-hmm. and converts it into this generic format that allows us to pull those in. Okay. So let's so say we're using, graph, we're using GraphQL to talk to right. craft CMS or whatever the remote CMS happens to be. Mm-hmm. How do how, how do we then map, you know, the various fields that are coming in from the GraphQL query into the containers that the theme is providing? Like what is what does that look like? Chris has done some really incredible stuff with this, so I'm going to let him take it. <laughs> All right. Sure. So the way it works today is it's basically a set of Gatsby plugins, right? You've got your Gatsby source craft CMS. You've got maybe Gatsby plugin MDX because you're pulling in MDX from craft CMS or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the schema customization APIs in Gatsby, right? So this is from a theme author perspective that you would be doing this work. But basically, you take the source that is the craft CMS. You map the fields that come back in the GraphQL API from craft CMS to your own custom like blog post or note or like product type that you create with the Gatsby schema customization APIs. And then that just appears in your GraphQL API with okay. Gatsby. So you have so some now, kind of a normalization layer that says, however this stuff is coming in, normalize it in this way so that the theme knows where to put what? Is that how it works? Yeah, exactly. So when you build out, if you're familiar with Gatsby, you know that your templates have uh, GraphQL queries in them to fetch like yeah. all MDX or all Markdown Remark or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Those queries become all blog posts or all product or things like that, right? Mm-hmm. So your components are only concerned with the fields that come in that are normalized. Got it. Which means that the entire backend data sourcing is separated from the front end. Man, you and, guys- we, and we've got this even a step further with which I've been really excited about. <laughs> we did so there's there's this data abstraction in the resolvers themselves. So you're saying I have this data source and using the methods that, that Chris described, we're gonna make sure that those data sources are available through generic GraphQL query. We say all post. Then when we do the templating, we've set it up in such a way that there is a a component that does the GraphQL query, and then it just passes that data as props to a presentational component. Hmm. So as a theme user, as a theme consumer, if I want to change the way that the blog post component looks, I don't have to care about GraphQL at all. I just know the data is present. And so I would just shadow the blog post component and know that I'm going to get the title, the content, the author, the date as props on that component. And I can do whatever I want with it without having to think think about data at all. 
So there's uh, we, we've been kind of referring to this as a, a layer cake where, you know, you start with the easiest thing, the, you know, just the, the frosting, like the decoration, you change colors. And then as you go deeper and deeper into the cake, you, you can start with rewriting a component. Then if you want to go deeper than that, you can start to mess with the GraphQL query. And if you want to go deeper than that, you can mess with the underlying abstractions that are are feeding those queries. Well, Jason, it's a good thing that my wife is not on this podcast because as a <laughs> as a cookier and also a, a baker, she would tell you that the frosting is the hardest part <laughs> of, of making a cake. Like, to all bakers in the audience. I would guarantee you, yeah. I, I mean, I, I hope so. I hope we don't have any angry bakers that are... Analogy. <laughs> well, no, and, well, and it makes sense, right? Because that's the the presentation layer that everyone sees. So that's the thing that has to be just right. And that's where they put all the fancy decorations on and everything, you know, which is uh, one of the things that sort of Jason just went wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, One of the things that Jason just brought up is that we have these themes structured in such a way that if you are not a react expert and you're not a GraphQL expert and you're not really a JavaScript expert and you want to install one of these themes and you want to modify the way things look, we should support you in doing that. So if you are a designer, if you're a, a product manager, if you're a marketer, and uh, you want to change the way that something works, or a baker, shadowing, or a baker, if yeah. you're a baker or a small business person or something like that, right? Extremely good uh, people. Yeah. You all you have to do is create one file. We'll copy and in the future we'll copy and paste some code out for you, and then all you have to do is sort of like fiddle with it in the same way that you used to fiddle with HTML on your like MySpace pages, right? Oh God. Uh, we'll basically, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean. So it sounds like, oh, wow, like that's horrible are in there, a production are, environment with a bunch of other engineers. Uh, Chris, but are you, this is the way. Chris, are you Sorry. telling me there are dancing gerbils in Gatsby themes? Like, what are you talking about? If you I want mean, they, dancing gerbils, really you can, can have dancing gerbils. Oh, my God. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's the point. And everything you use to do things is important. Mm. So, so text color rainbow is a thing? If you want it to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, this is really cool. So the one thing I'm curious about is you mentioned that you can update, you you can update these themes and you can get the benefits of whatever changes are made, right? Mm -hmm. And that sounds awesome. But what if like someone designs this nice, you know, professional looking theme and they end up using it and then they're having a bad day and they change everything to like angry red or something like that. (laughs) If I do an update and I haven't overridden anything, like I'm going to get that change? Yes. Okay. Well, yeah, but the, I mean, in typically speaking, what in any well-maintained package, which we're we're focusing pretty hard on quality here. Right. We we haven't talked about the the theme jam contest that we've got going right now, but like major requirements here are going to be along the lines of code quality and accessibility. Hmm. So if that change came out, it would be a major breaking change. Right. You know, if you if you fundamentally change the way something looks, that should be a major uh, a major bump. Yeah, and these are and all semvered and tagged, right? So we should be able to just like, okay, we don't, you know, this guy's in his red period. That's fine. We can just roll back to some other version that we liked. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that sounds pretty reasonable to me, you know? So, so what is this theme jam? Like, what, what is this? So we got super excited about themes going stable. Mm-hmm. And we knew that a bunch of people were going to start building themes. So we wanted to try to help 
focus the attention around best practices and also just like incentivize this. If people want to build these themes, we want to, we want to like, we're excited about it too. We want to see what people can do with it. Right. So we're throwing what we're calling the theme jam. It's at uh, themejam.gatsbyjs.org. And in it, you, anybody who creates a Gatsby theme is able to, uh, will get like exclusive swag. So this is similar to Hacktoberfest. You're going to create some open source software. You're going to publish it on uh, GitHub and NPM. And anybody who does that is going to get some exclusive swag designed by the incredible Maggie Appleton, hmm. who does all of Egghead.io's illustrations. She did a custom illustration for us. It's it's beautiful. And uh, so we'll do free swag for everybody who who participates. And then we're going to choose two winners, like our, our favorite, most creative themes. Uh, the criteria are all listed on the site. But uh, our two favorite winner or two favorite theme creators are going to get an all expenses paid trip to uh, an upcoming Gatsby Days. The the next one's in London. But if the dates don't work out, we'll we'll do one of the next ones. But we're, we're really, really excited about this. It's going for the full month of July. So is this judged on necessarily how attractive they are? Because I kind of want a T-shirt, but like, <laughs> design well, is not it, like, really honestly, my strong point. You, you could ship like anything as long as it's a valid theme and you'll get the T-shirt. The winners will get will be. So basically the way we're judging is on code quality, maintainability, accessibility, creativity, getting the details right, making sure that it's, you know, published and it's got the right uh, keywords so that Gatsby can find it. You know, we require that you have like a Gatsby and a Gatsby theme and a Gatsby plugin keyword in your, your package JSON. There are a few other things that's all on the, the Theme Jam website and under the rules section. And so like creativity is not necessarily just making it beautiful. Creativity could also be the way that you're using the data, the way that you are putting together the the code for, you know, maximum reuse and, and and shareability. So there, there are a lot of criteria that that could win that don't necessarily require aesthetic beauty. Well, good because aesthetic beauty is something that I don't have. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I mean I'm I'm interested in in entering. So that's good. I mean I would like to I would like to check it out and get some familiarity with it and you know get a T-shirt. Um, awesome. Andrew, I think the CSS Zen Garden is maybe closed, but here is your new opportunity. This is my chance. <laughs> <laughs> we were we were talking about making a like a CSS Zen Garden Gatsby thing, right? Because themes actually support that really well, especially when you start talking about the theme UI spec. So we we don't know if it'll actually happen, but it's something that we've brought up multiple times. Yeah, I mean, a way for people to experiment with it interactively online is a pretty cool idea, you know? Mm -hmm. Isn't there, there's yeah. a, oh, there's, God, this is going to kill me. I forget the name of this tool, but there's some kind of a tool that the creator of Trello originally ended up making. And it's something that lets people kind of collaborate online, but I forget the name of it. Do you guys know what it is? Unless you put code in I, there. I <sighs> can't, I'm not sure. Oh man, Una Kravitz is going to be so disappointed in me that I don't remember this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, what she was saying was for the material theme, she's working at Google on the material theme now. And she mentioned that they set up, you know, a little sandbox on this service that I can't remember the name of. Um, but then people were just able to go in there with like zero setup to just like designers could go in there and experiment and play around with it, you know? Oh, cool. Yeah. So I thought yeah. I mean, there are a handful of services like that. You, Glitch is really good at this. That's uh, the Code one. Sandbox is Thank really good you. at this. It's it was Glitch. Glitch. Thank you. Awesome. Thank I had you. no idea that Glitch would came from Trello folks. I don't, um, I'm also I'm, like really bad at following who does what. Oh, I'm terrible. Like people will be like, cause I, I haven't been, I was talking to Chris about this earlier. Like I, I don't, come from a pedigree of doing web development, right? So people will mm. talk about like this person and that person will have some gravitas from their point of view. And I'm just like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> like, I have no idea. 
it's really sad i i feel like that's the whole web development sphere though like i because there are people who i respect their opinions really highly and i'll bring them up and somebody's like i've never heard of that what do they do and then you have to give the context and the same thing happens to me all the time somebody like oh yeah so and so and i'm like i never heard of that person yeah (laughs) well there's i mean it's such a big sphere there's so many people right you know Mm mm-hmm Good party, Corgi. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. One of the things I was going to say is just uh, what we were talking about earlier before the podcast started. And that there are these people that are coming into web development right. that have never used any of the things that we used eight years ago. Right. right? They don't even know about them at all. And um, sort of like in our crusade to build themes here, we're trying to enable these people who like don't necessarily know what the old like best practices are we're trying to set them up for success so i mean you know the you guys have probably heard of the quote-unquote stern father perspective i mean from that perspective like i don't know if they've suffered enough chris like i I am anti-suffering um and all yeah i am i am a huge uh detractor from the whiteboard interview and the uh you have to suffer this much to be called the web developer um yeah it's a, i could talk about this for a long time so i'll stop but I, i'm obvious my... <laughs> um, hopefully it's obvious what was that i'm mean? kidding go ahead so mary not so keen on hazing huh <laughs> yeah yeah no hazing well hold yeah, on i'm pretty on board with chris on that too like i i think that what's what's interesting is you know the the take that i've seen from a lot of people is that i really like where i started and anybody who didn't start where i started is wrong right um but that's a very like point in time interaction because they're not thinking about all the abstractions that help them succeed oh sure none of us are down in there or very few of us at least these days are down writing machine code right so you know we're we're looking at all these layers of abstraction but then when when new ones show up we're kind of like anybody who hasn't learned they didn't do the stuff the hard way so they're clearly not real developers because they didn't do it the way we did it so yeah i'm kind of in the same boat with chris like if we build a better abstraction, I'm probably never going to write vanilla JavaScript by hand in any serious capacity, like outside of a learning activity or, or things like that. There's a good chance that I'll never do it professionally for production code ever again. So knowing that I shouldn't get salty when somebody can build their whole career on using React or using frameworks that have React under the hood. Like that's a good thing. That means that we built an abstraction that was strong enough that you don't have to go steeper, deeper into the step. You know, that means the industry is improving. That means that the tools are are improving at such a rate that you don't need to know the old way. You get, you just get the good way because it does everything. Right. No, of course. I I 100% agree with you. Like as Chris was saying, everyone is standing on someone else's shoulders, right? I mean, it's just, the reality of it in terms of the way this stuff is built. And the reason is that the whole thing is so complicated that no one person can know it all or do it all. Like it's impossible. Mm -hmm. So you pick the place in the pyramid that you want to be and you get good at it because Mm -hmm. you're never going to be able to be every brick in that period. Like that, that ship sailed probably 40 years ago that when you would, (laughs) I'm not even kidding when you would be able to know all this stuff, you know? Yeah. But still, you know, uh, part of it where, you know, I tell my kids, oh, you, you're worried about this cold weather. Like I used to walk a mile in the snow uphill to get to the, the bus every time. You know what I mean? Barefoot both ways. Barefoot uphill, both yeah. ways and all that kind of stuff. I'm not, I, I totally agree with you, but it still is kind of fun to to talk to other developers and be like, ah, oh, that's nothing. You want to know how bad it was? I'll tell you how bad it was. <laughs> you know? Well, the, it's, the, yeah, it's the always... science people will be studying us in a little bit, you know? I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, they're gonna in in like fifty years. They're gonna look back and they're like, "How did these people get anything done?" <laughs> you know, I think just yesterday I learned that the memory in like the Apollo spacecraft or something like that was hand woven mm. by the bit. Whoa! So like wiring the wire through like a loop was a one, and around the loop was a zero or wow. something like that. And they just Whoa. did the whole thing by hand. And like I used I'm to have a little that. a little bit of core <laughs> memory. You could you could just look at all those little little beads. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, well, in, in looking at like the that stack of that stack of handwritten code by that woman who worked mm. on the the Apollo missions. Oh yeah. It's just like. <laughs> I've I've never written anything by hand that was right. longer than like a page and a half before I gave up. <laughs> right. I, I can't imagine doing that much just math and and precision work and and having no errors. You know, having that go the right way is just it's just bonkers to me. Right. And that's why we can make progress now, though, right? Because the 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 guy or gal or whatever who's really good at doing the math does the math stuff, right? And mm-hmm. solves that math chunk, and then everyone else can be like, oh, I'm going to use that math chunk to do the the thing, right? And that's why, you know, people that complain about the the chaos that is the the JavaScript world, and yeah, I may, I may be guilty of that on occasion, are missing out on the fact that, you know, the amazing number of packages that are out there let us do stuff that just would be impossible, you know, even like a decade ago. And Gatsby mm-hmm. is one of those things, right? I think Gatsby is doing some really incredible stuff from the point of view of you are making something that is not just a static site generator. This is something that gives people a way to build a performance site. And now with the theming, gives us a way to build something almost using kind of like a Lego brick style from someone else can make something that looks good and I can just pull it down and start using it and, and look like a champion, right? Is that the goal? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I mean, we're really like the way that we look at it is we we want to take all of the boilerplate stuff mm-hmm. out of the way. You know, the the only thing that you as a, a professional software developer should have to think about is what the requirements are for your project. If you are spending all of your time messing with your dev environment, if you're spending all of your time setting up this this boilerplate to give you, you know, the server side rendering or the 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 performance tuning and stuff, that's time that you're not spending on adding value to your product. You're I mean it's that is value for the product, but it's not in it's not unique value it's like kind of table stake stuff you you have to deliver that kind of performance and that's just part of being competitive so if you're building that in house you're adding maintenance debt you're adding a ton of overhead you're requiring expertise that isn't necessarily cheap or easy to find and so that you know why would you continue to do that we want to make that something that's kind of automatic Right. So you just get to to pick up and run without having to think about, you know, you don't have to get a performance expert. You've got a community of performance experts working on Gatsby to, to steadily improve it as new things come out. Yeah, but Jason, you're putting me out of a job. Like a, one of the things that I do is web performance stuff. <laughs> no, I, I mean, like the, here's what I'm realizing is that no matter how no matter how good the tools get, there's always room for experts. Right. And what what we're doing is not eliminating expertise. We're removing that pitfall where people who don't have expertise don't know that they're making mistakes that really harm the the people using the internet. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I'm just being flippant about it. But and and also <laughs> like you're you're giving people a good starting point, right? But they can still screw mm-hmm. it up, right? Like I'm I'm not gonna mention names, but there's a prominent Gatsby site that is it's a fantastic looking site, but they managed to make it not perform very well. 
which makes me cry, you know? Uh, with with sufficient effort, you can make anything terrible. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I've, I've said it many times. Like You can name any language, and I will make you something terrible using that language. That is a skill <laughs> that, is a skill that I have. I, I do have a question for you, though, about... So what's the difference between GatsbyJS.org and GatsbyJS.com? The .org website is the open source project. It's the community. It is the the, the blog. The .com, it originally started as like, this will be what we do our company everything from. Mm-hmm. But it's more become a, a housing for our commercial products. So Gatsby Cloud and the, the products we have there. And like a list of who works at the company is is effectively what .com is now. Got it. Yeah, because I was confused. I was trying to look up the theme jam .gatsby.js and I went to .com and that didn't work. Mm. Oh, <laughs> so I should set up a redirect. It's got to be themejam.gatsbyjs.org in order to to go to it. And and I know that was me just not listening to you because I'm sure you said it correctly. Um, but I was just kind of confused about which was which. But that makes total sense. Like a lot of companies have done that in terms of they they split things off in terms of here's the open source thing and here is the actual commercial products and and company site. I was going to say I think we overestimated how much like we thought there would be a lot of difference. And what we're learning is that it's still, you know, a huge amount of the work that we do is just community and open source work. Right. And so the the commercial product is is basically just contained to you go to GatsbyJS.com to log into your commercial product. Got it. Well, what is this Gatsby cloud thing that you're talking about then? Gatsby cloud is all the infrastructure that you would need to run a Gatsby site that is stuff that you just you all it needs to exist you have to have a build pipeline you have to have a cdn you have to have a you know these these different things and right now you configure these bespoke it's very easy to set up like netlify as a build pipeline right and we love like we love netlify as a build pipeline but what we found is that for bigger companies they start to run into memory limits, um, the the timeout because they've got you know hundreds of images, and then they have to start inventing bespoke solutions for these things. And sorry, and, and some companies also I've run into this as well. They say no, like I don't care how cool Netlify or whatever the the hosting is, you have to use our server farm or whatever our uh, our DevOps guys have certified, right? Right. And so what Gatsby Cloud is is at the moment it's collaborative tools. So we have something called preview where when you're working on a site in a handful of CMSs and we're adding new ones every day, I know that right now it supports contentful data CMS sanity and a, a handful of others. When you're working, you can add a preview in Gatsby button to see draft content hmm. at a private shareable URL. So if you're working on a blog post and you're, yeah. a, you're, you're like a content marketer using a static site generator in the past, you would have had to stand up a local server so that you could write and see what it looked like and do all these things that are very like hassly. Yep. Preview is a way for you to work in the CMS like you always do and hit a preview button, which is pretty standard for a a server hosted CMS, but it's really not standard in the headless CMS world. So we're adding that back in so that people have it. We're also working on some solutions for like we we're going to have incremental builds, which means that if you've got a static site and you want to see like a 
like lots and lots of pages, which is a deal breaker for for like standard Gatsby. And we're working on making that faster. We've done a lot of things like using multiple cores and uh, we're working on other ways to to make things more efficient. But at a certain point, like you just need infrastructure. So right. we're standing up a bunch of uh, Kubernetes stuff so that we can do big scaling and run a little bit of the build across a bunch of different things. Uh, and we're also working on the, the algorithms to identify just what changed mm. and only rebuilding those particular pieces of the site so that you don't have to do redundant work if things haven't changed. All of those things require a lot of, of infrastructure and computing overhead. So we're just offering that as a hosted service. We'll do that work for you so that you don't have to think about it. And we'll charge you a whole lot less than it would cost you to have your DevOps team focus full time on it. Right. And the preview, it may seem silly, but that's huge for content authors. And that's something that I have heard resistance from clients when I've worked with them because they, they mm -hmm. really, they just want to see like they want to see the preview before they hit that publish button, you know, mm -hmm. and they want there to, to be some kind of a workflow. So that's fantastic that you are you are building that stuff into it. Yeah. And that previews in open beta now. You can sign up for it right now. If you go to um, preview.gatsbyjs.com, you can kind of check it out. Give it a try. There's a, a free trial so you can, you know actually try it and see it in action. There's a list of the CMSs that are supported now. And if you have a CMS or the CMS that, it, that you want to use is open source and not supported, we also have docs on how to add preview support to your CMS of choice. So, you know, give that give that a look as well. Like, I, I don't know if Craft CMS is supported, but it certainly could be. Yeah. And I have, so one of, I hope Brandon Kelly, he's the the man at uh, Pixel and Tonic who make Craft CMS. I hope it doesn't get mad at me, but we're going to go there anyway. So... Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? So they are, they're about to release Craft CMS 3.2. And one of the th big changes that they made to it is that the live preview can live anywhere. Say Craft CMS mm -hmm. has had live preview built into it for a long time. Uh, the live preview can now be anywhere. Right. So it can be it can be done via Gatsby. It can be it can be living anywhere that you want it to. Um, oh, cool. And they are also adding multiple live preview targets. So if you want to see what it looks like, if you want to see what the blog post looks like, you can look at that. If you want to see what the index of blog posts looks like with your new blog post added, you can look at that, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Hmm. And they also have someone in their company that is working on a Gatsby blog starter for Craft CMS. So they they love you guys. I know they've they've talked to you for a while, and I think there's going to be some some good stuff to come between uh, between Craft CMS and Gatsby. Yeah, we should talk them into doing a a theme. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, no, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure some of the designers that work there would love it. I mean, they would love to be working with a design system that has been this well thought out. You know, it's something I've noticed that if you're a professional in, in one field or another and someone gives you something that they've spent tons of time thinking of and, you know, assuming they did a good job, which I know you guys did. It's just it's really invigorating to see, you know, you're like, wow, this is great. You know, I want to do something with this. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. And and kind of, you know, speaking on the the infrastructure point of view, I just published an article on spinning up your own image processing via AWS Lambda. And I sent it to both of you guys. You totally should build that into Gatsby at some point. That would be fantastic. <laughs> no, I'm not even kidding. I mean, I know Gatsby, when you do the build process, it goes through and locally it will do all the image transforms and all that kind of good stuff. Would be mm -hmm. so nice if there was an out of the box way you could just hook it up to this AWS serverless image handler because it would be way mm -hmm. faster. Like the builds would be so much faster. I I don't have like details on this, but I know that we're working on something. Okay. Well, I sent that article to both you guys and it's all, you know, whatever. It's all uh, public stuff that, uh, that AWS has made that anyone can use. 
you know but uh very yeah. cool yeah so tell me what else is is going on with gatsby and you said you guys are busy like you're doing a lot of stuff <laughs> yeah that's a that's actually a good question chris what are you doing next <laughs> what am i doing next um next i am doing a bunch of like quality of life improvements to the gatsby theme stuff um, we have a number of different things that we want to ship such as a cli or a gui to enable more people to work with shadowing without having to dig into node modules and look up file paths and things like that yeah um there is um <laughs> we were just talking chris we we're just we we're talking about before the show before you came on Jason, that <laughs> marion got a warning for the recording saying she didn't have enough room free on her computer <laughs> so we told her to delete one node modules folder to to free up like oh. 500 gigabytes <laughs> <laughs> which i believe worked yeah it totally uh, worked yeah <laughs> to- totally worked i'm so much happier <laughs> sorry <laughs> i'm sorry go ahead Chris. computer feels physically lighter now yeah <laughs> she's floating off the desk um <laughs> Yeah, so we're we're basically doing quality of life improvements to make sure that this Gatsby theme stuff is more usable for anybody. Because right now, like if you know how it works and you want to dig into node modules and look up the file paths and do shadowing and stuff, or read the good documentation, things like that, it works. But we would like that to be built into the CLI or built into like a GUI, like the graphical interfaces, right? Right. And things like that. So, and then we also have a couple of other like more experimental things, like uh, automatic documentation generation for Gatsby themes. That's under the system UI design QL repo right now. And then we also have things like, so, you know, hold on, how... hold on. I'm sorry. So <laughs> you, you have something specifically for documentation? Yeah, we have an experimental project that we are uh, working on under the themes banner that handles documentation for Gatsby themes. So mm-hmm. if you build your, if you like, for example, if you use theme UI, which would be an implementation of this thing, uh, you would automatically get a whole host of documentation and like this component takes these props and when you shadow it, this is what you can do to it kind of things. This is the first time hearing about this and I'm super excited. That sounds this awesome. This is the first time you're hearing about design QL? <laughs> no, no, I knew about design QL. I just didn't know what it was for. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is super experimental and uh, not something you can install and use right now. So that's oh why. <laughs> I mean, des- um, and then I guess- design QL sounds like something that just just the term itself is so hip and trendy with the design mm. systems and QL and all that stuff. I could see so many people being interested in that. That is really well, cool. Well, it exposes the documentation as a GraphQL API, which yeah. is why QL is in there. Right. right. So you didn't put it in there just to be cool and trendy. I mean, <laughs> design QL list, designless, <laughs> designless design design QL. <laughs> oh man, it's just yeah. naturally cool and trendy. There's no way he could avoid it. That's true. <laughs> that is true. I mean, he's a party corgi. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah. yeah. So that, that's all you have to say. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, interrupt you. It's one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then I guess the other thing I would mention is we're building a open source block editor based on MDX. So you get this human writable MDX format, but you also get this like really nice block editor, like extendable block editor Mm. uh, on top. And we're hoping that that goes into the whole thing itself. What's really exciting about that one, and and this one I've been following pretty closely, is that if we get this right, what it means is that we will have a content editor for people who don't write code that mm-hmm. allows them to have kind of a like a, a fully visual editing experience that is completely based on the same code that we would write to present the information. So we'll we'll have 
the same way that Gatsby's data sources are blurring the line, like you don't have to think super hard about where the data comes from because we normalize it and make it mm-hmm. um, pretty pretty uniform when you develop with it. What this block editor will do is it's going to allow you to say, well, I want the you know video previews are going to use this React component and and it takes the the YouTube URL or whatever, and then it will show the video like this in a an embeddable iframe and it's got these style things attached to it. And once you put that in, this block editor will be able to accept that as like just a drop down. Like I want to insert a video and it'll ask you for the URL. You paste that in and it will like render this React component. Hmm. Um, The power that comes with that is huge. So when, you know, if we get this right, it opens a really, really big door for what comes next. Like what CMSs will be able to do for interop with like everything, the entire React ecosystem, it really is, that's going to be a big moment for the uh, the headless CMS world, I think. So what you would normally do in code, you're now going to essentially have a block editor that will let you kind of put those components together and show where the data goes. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. If you think about like, um, so a, a good example of this that I, I know you said not to talk about it, but okay. um, <laughs> in WordPress, they have short codes. Yep. And Uh-oh. in the, the that short code edit. Uh-oh. We know how code wow, works. that is... Say, well, I want to show Jason, a- I'm sorry. We we actually... This is... I didn't do this on purpose, but we... <laughs> sure. I swear to God. <laughs> we actually lost you just after you started talking about WordPress. I'm not I even... You, I didn't really hear anything after that. I'm not even kidding. And it, <laughs> for real? I, for real. For real. I, 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 for don't, real. I, I don't have a button that I hit. Like, I, I don't know. Anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> I... I, I Rewind. Believe you. It's- <laughs> I mean, we could ask you to repeat yourself, but I'm sure it's nice. All right, so go back to short codes. I'm sorry. This is some so- someone doesn't like you talking. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Do it. Um, so the way that that WordPress shortcodes are set up is that somebody who doesn't know anything about code is able to go in and look at a drop down in their editor and say, "I want to show you know this this call out box." Yeah. And it does it in a way that's like human writable. So yeah. it's square brackets and call out. And to somebody who doesn't write code, that it, it's not easy, but it also makes sense. Right. And what what this MDX block editor will do is kind of take that to the next level where you're saying, I want to put this call out block in. And when you click, it'll just show a call out block and you'll edit it the way that you would anything else. So mm-hmm. it gets it closer and closer to feeling like working in a, a word processor. Yeah. And that like that really closes a big gap. Yeah, you're um, looking especially at- when we're talking about themes and the way that themes are going to be like you click a button and then you choose a couple colors and it, it'll ship a fully functional website for you. If you can do that and then also edit those blog posts through something that feels pretty similar to like Notion has a, a pretty good workflow for this. We uh, we've seen a few other people who have done a good job of like making it pretty easy to do visual editing of, of relatively complex data. Yeah. That'll be big. Yeah. I mean, that what you're doing sounds like it's starting to blur the lines. I mean, it sounds like very similar to what Sanity.io does, where you can spin up a React app and you basically pull in the CMS, which is the React app, and then you can build all this stuff with it or what Keystone JS does with their CMS. So are you kind of moving into that territory or is it just a natural place for you to go because of what people are doing? So I... 
I don't necessarily think that we're going to be building a CMS. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that it's in, it's important to call that out that like that's not on our roadmap. We're not like, hey, let's go compete with all these people who have, who have been using Gatsby. Yeah. Um, it's more of it's more of like this is a tool that once it exists, we want to give to all the headless CMSs. We want them to implement yeah. it so that there's an MDX editor in their tool. Got it. All right. Well, we got you on the record, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, people, people listening will understand that you're, you're on the record saying that you're not doing this, but, uh, gentlemen, this has been fantastic. Uh, Mary, do you have any, anything else that you would like to, uh, ask these fine gentlemen before we release them into the wild? Um, actually more for you, Andrew, I think Uh-oh. we should do a podcast on the <laughs> history of work. Wow. Are, do you, are you guys still here? It's a question and he disappeared. Wow, that is crazy. Did you mention something about WordPress, Marion? <laughs> history of web development. I oh. don't think that all I heard was the history of W, and then instantly you guys were gone. I'm like, oh my God, she said WordPress and some <laughs> and something happened. This is crazy. This is crazy. Oh my God. All right. Well, uh, no one say anything that starts with a W. Let's just, we got to, we're going to have to, <laughs> I'm paranoid now. We're going to have to wrap, we're going to have to wrap I, this I do up. think that's a, that's a really good idea, Marion, is uh, like a history of web development would be fascinating. Yeah. It would. Yeah. Yes. Let's do it. I'll put it in, I'll put it in the show notes and we'll, we'll do it. For but posterity. Before we get disconnected by saying WordPress again, that about wraps it up for another episode of the devmo.fm podcast. To have every episode delivered to your favorite podcast player, subscribe to our RSS or subscribe via iTunes or Google Play. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a review. You can also follow us on Twitter at devmo.fm. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Leave us a comment on the devmo.fm website. For the devmo.fm podcast, I'm Andrew Wells. I'm Marion Nulevant. And thank you very much for coming on, Jason. Thanks for having me. And of course, Party Corgi, Chris Biscardi. Thank you for coming on. Uh-oh. The Party Corgi's dead. <laughs> hey, he showed up for me. not a paranoid person and don't believe in conspiracy theories of any kind but come on on? (laughs) what is going on here Uh, this is crazy